Hey everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard and man does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz and I'm your host for these podcasts, also director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Uh, it's been a couple years ago that the topic of race uh, was a hot topic. It remains a serious topic and a conversation that the church needs to have. And uh, I had the opportunity to interview Tom Sugimora, who is a pastor with the Christian Missionary Alliance in California. Uh, and he wrote a book entitled Grace, Race, and the Church. It's a book that contains stories of people from different cultures and ethnicities. And we sat down together to talk about what the church needs to understand about uh, other ethnicities, how the church ought to be a multicultural setting. If it's not, uh, how do we reach out to those that are not like us? Uh, We also talk about the importance of understanding the world of refugees. Uh, His wife was a refugee. And uh, so these are all really important topics. I'm really glad I had a chance to sit down with Tom and talk about this. So let's jump in now. Okay, well, I have uh, someone I'm interviewing from California, uh, Tom Sugimora. Did I pronounce that correctly? That's Close good, enough. Mitch. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, you are a pastor in, in California, and I. Uh, heard about you. Uh, you were a Christian Missionary Alliance pastor and uh, just some of the stuff that you've posted. But you wrote a book, and we're going to be talking about that book, uh, about race. It's called Grace, Race, and the Church. Uh, but first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your family, what you do. And I always like to start by asking what uh, my guest is passionate about, what drives you. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you, Mitch, for having me on the, the podcast. Um, I am married. I've got uh, four children that we still have in the home and we're enjoying them immensely. Um, so what I'm passionate about spending time with my family um, mm. is is the biggest thing. Uh, but I am a pastor as well. Um, so I pastor a, a church out here in Los Angeles area. And we do things like uh, church revitalization, church planting, uh, biblical counseling, and I've also had the privilege to train pastors and church leaders around the world. And um, so it's been amazing, uh, the opportunities that God has given me, and um, just encouraged by those things. Yeah, and it sounds like your church is a, a multicultural church. It is. It is. We yeah. have um, different cultures, different ethnicities, and just um, that's one of the joys of pastoring, not just in California, but also in mm-hmm. our particular church. Yeah. Yeah. In a small town of Tacoa, Georgia, rural northeast of Georgia, that's uh, less the case. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I can imagine in a city like that. Uh, okay. So you you wrote this book, Grace, Race, and the Church. Why did you write it? We wanted to help people have better conversations about race. And mm. a lot of this came out of the turmoil during the COVID pandemic with George Floyd and others and, and seeing those tragedies and the way that people responded to it. And, and so we found that people in the church, um, even mature Christians, didn't really have a good way of talking about race. Mm. And, and so it was either uh, people getting upset and angry and blowing up churches or people just shutting down and not talking about it. And, and that was more in our church where 
you know, we had this one precious young lady in our church who she's African American, wanted to talk about these issues. Uh, she sees um, she sees concerns of people that look like her father or brother or uh, friend and. And we had someone in her church, someone in her small group who said to her, you know, we don't talk about those things in church. Mm, mm. And, and so we we started and she's a probably right. They probably right, were right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was the case. Um, not everybody, but but many people in our church were trying to avoid the subject. Mm-hmm. And so we just started having conversations. Um, we did some Zoom forums where we just had people share their stories and ask questions and uh, share a little bit about their experiences. Uh, that kind of morphed into a podcast and and that eventually became chapters in the book that uh, that that we're reading. Okay. So you do a regular podcast as well? No, this was just a podcast just- for our church to try to connect people during the pandemic. And um, I interviewed people about their testimonies, about their stories, mm, and see. it was actually really beneficial in surprising ways. You know, we, I, you, you doing a podcast, you know, these things, but, mm-hmm. um, it helped us learn how to have deeper conversations with people, how to ask good questions. And it showed us that, you know, you can go to church for years with people and not really know their stories. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was one of the benefits yeah. of being able to do that with the the people in our church. Yeah. Well, that's one of the takeaways I got from the book. You even have some practical ways to engage in conversations and and getting to know people. I mean, even even uh, a church I go to, a large church here, and you know, you walk in, walk out, and unless you are proactive and they're proactive. Uh, it's you're not going to have many conversations, you know. So yeah, that's going to be helpful when we talk about that. So you you frame this with four statements, um, and I'm curious how you know you came up with these or how this sets up uh, you know your purpose for the book. I'll just read the four. The four. They're brief, uh, and these are things maybe people say. My pastor hasn't addressed the race issue to my liking. Uh, we can't stay in the church that supports BLM or Marxist ideology. 11 o'clock on Sunday is one of the, the most segregated hours in Christian America. I've, I've heard that quite often, especially here in the South. And then finally, being in an uh, in ethnic specific context is not only permissible, it's actually quite necessary for a lot of Christians. So, so talk about how those four questions helped to kind of shape, uh, gave a framework for the book. Yeah, these are just questions or statements that I've heard said when people are asked, well, what do you think about race and and the church and how should Christians think about cultural issues? And and so different people have different views and some of them are conflicting. Some of them are um, true and some of them are false. And, And so what I wanted to bring out was that everybody comes to the conversation with a certain mindset and we need to be able to understand those mindsets, but also to understand where we might have uh, misunderstood or, or had, had a wrong conclusion of our own. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that just kind of was a way to start the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have people actually sharing their stories in the book. Uh, in fact, you, you write that uh, we share our stories of a better way uh, to depict, depict the beauty of the biblical worldview and to rejoice in the glorious diversity within the within Christ's church. Um, so again, I don't know how many different people contributed to this, uh, but what was the common thread that you found uh, from these stories? Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, 
I mean, they were all people in our church. So, you know, mm. we, we go to the same church, we, we worship together, we fellowship together. And some of the common threads, um, we're all image bearers. We, we all have yeah. respect, our stories are valued by God. And, and so I wanted to honor that. I wanted to tell stories in a way that celebrated the people in our church or the people that were, uh, we were walking with as Christians. Um, but we all uh, suffer as well, or we all cause suffering by the things that we do. Mm. And so, you know, realizing that when it comes to race, there's all sorts of sin and suffering issues that, that people are dealing with. And and that's why it's such a difficult conversation. That That's why you have people leaving churches or um, getting upset about politics or, or things that are said on social media. And, and so the, the fall has wrecked the way that we talk about uh, something that God designed for good. And then realizing that the, the commonality that we have, no matter what our skin color is, no matter what our cultural background is, uh, the commonality is that we are in Christ and, and he's our Lord, he's our savior, he's the one that we follow, the one that we worship, the one that we're going to spend eternity with. And so I wanted to mm. tell each person's individual story, their their unique story and honor that, uh, but at the same time, drawing all of those common threads together about uh, why we're in the church and why we worship Christ and, and mm-hmm. why we... Uh, see these things as more valuable and deeper than um, just what our, our skin color is or our, our ethnic Yeah, background. that's so good. Yeah, I love that, that, um, you know, what we have in common most is that we are we are image bearers. And we'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes about the, uh, you know, the role the gospel has, the central role the gospel has on this, but you've alluded to that already some. Um, tell us the story of your church. Uh, again, a diverse church. Um, and that was important to, you know, your discussion of race, but also how does this emerge out of your own personal story? Yeah. Yeah. Our church is, uh, we're a church revitalization. We, uh, came about through the fresh start, uh, network. And, uh, and so, uh, we were sent out by a predominantly Asian American church. Um, and we, uh, helped to revitalize a church that was predominantly, um, older white uh, congregation, mm-hmm. and and so when we came together as a church, we had we had different ethnicities already. Uh, we had a, a strange mix of believers in the same church that uh, might not have chosen each other if we had the mm-hmm. option. Um, and that's one of the beauties of revitalization is that uh, you don't get to choose necessarily who you're going to be serving together with, but you're building yeah. this together. Um, and and you learn to get along. You learn to um, uh, celebrate each other's differences. And and so we've we've met some wonderful people in the church that um, I would have never thought I'd be pastoring yeah. or, yeah. or serving together with. Yeah, that's really that's really fascinating to think that if I mean the the fact that you're I would think about this when I was pastoring myself that I look around and say I would not hang around with half these people if it were not for being their pastor. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's a calling, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and almost, I mean, a strange way it forces us to to get together and to and get along and to, and to love each other because it does take work. I mean, we're working against uh, a lot of things to, to love each other. But of course, Christ was up against a lot to love us and uh, we're to follow his example. Uh, so yeah, how, so uh, how does this emerge from your own personal story? 
Yeah, my story is um, unique as well. Uh, I'm I'm a third generation um, Japanese on my father's side, Chinese on my mother's side, mm. and so you know we've we've gone through uh, the history of that. And um, one of the stories that I wrote was about the Japanese American internment, where my grandparents, um, Japanese Americans, um, they were in the country for. Uh, many years, but uh, because of World War II and because of the turmoil about uh, the war with Japan, uh, they were uh, forced to leave their homes, uh, forced to leave their possessions and jobs and everything else and relocated into internment camps. And so in, in uh, the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the relocation centers were in the interior of the U.S., uh, where nobody really wanted to live. Our family went to Manzanar, which is near Death Valley. And um, and so you have Japanese Americans, most of them citizens, that were surrounded by barbed wire, machine guns, armed guards, and not allowed to leave uh, because of the threat of mm. espionage. And so, yeah. um, you know, it, it uh, made it very difficult uh, for... Uh, Japanese Americans during that time, but our our family um, was eventually relocated to the East Coast. We weren't able to come back to California, mm. um, but it was through that whole process that my dad uh, went to a Christian church and he became a believer in Christ, the first Christian in his family, and and so part of my Christian legacy comes through the uh, the tragedy of the internment and in the camps. Mm. Mm. Wow. That, you know, we don't think too much about that part of uh, World War II history. You know, particularly, you know, I wonder how much this generation understands what uh, what, what the Japanese immigrants had to go through. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fascinating. You're right; it's out of that chaos and mess that so often you hear stories of people coming to Christ. That's uh, so redemptive. Um, I, I love the chapter you you title one chapter: "The Kindness of a White Man." Tell us that story. Yeah, uh, that's the other side of my family, my mother's mm -hmm. father. And he was born in southern China. He was um, born into poverty. His family was so poor, they actually sold him into slavery. And so he um, ran away from that family, jumped on a boat, came to America and started to make his way. And uh, I mean, he, he did a lot of things, but he learned uh, how to cook in different restaurants up and down the West Coast and eventually was able to purchase his own a diner where he was the, the owner. and um, But all along the way, he was not a, a believer. He didn't have faith. And and so uh, the story is that my, uh, my mother and her brothers uh, began to go to a Christian church, a church that was specifically planted to reach Chinese American immigrants. Mm. And, and so this was back in the day when they could just pull up with a bunch of buses and vans and, and take kids to church. And, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and they, uh, they brought my mom and her brothers to church and they became Christians and they started to follow Christ and began to witness to my grandparents. And, um, and so it was um, later in life, he was probably in his fifties uh, or sixties. And, and it was later in life, he was going to the hospital for a surgery and, um, he remembered the pastor of my mom's church coming to visit him in the hospital. This was a, mm -hmm. a white man. This was a, a the pastor of the church. And it struck him 
because he said it was the first time that a kindness was ever shown to him by a white man. Mm. And, uh, you know, this was the era of history where uh, Chinese Americans couldn't become citizens. They couldn't own land. Uh, they, they were limited in terms of the jobs they had. And, and there was a lot of prejudice and discrimination. And, mm. and, and so for him to be able to say this was the first kindness ever shown to me by a white man, it was it was shocking. And mm. and yet, you know, it, it just reminded me again, you know, that if if life was easy and if everybody was kind to each other, it, it wouldn't have stood out as a kindness. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have seemed so mm. uh, unique and, and, and life changing. And yet that's what uh, prompted him to start following Christ. And, and he became a, a believer in Christ. My grandmother became a believer in Christ. And, and so uh, Lord willing, we'll see them again one day. Yeah. Well, being kind in an unkind world stands out, doesn't it? That can be a, a lesson to all of us. Uh, your wife was a, a refugee. Tell us that story. And and as you do, maybe uh, help us appreciate, uh, you know, what refugees have had to go through and and fleeing their countries to come here. What was that like for her? Yeah, my wife's story began in Vietnam. Uh, she was born there. And um, her dad uh, fought in the South Vietnamese Navy. Her mom was um, her mom's family had businesses, and so once the Americans left and the, the communists took over, it was it was not good for anybody who um, was in their situation. And so they they had to flee. They had to um, leave Vietnam. Um, they braved the ocean on a fishing boat and. Um, eventually made it to Malaysia. I think they were in Malaysia for about a year in the refugee mm. camps before they could uh, find someone who would sponsor them to America. And so they, they came to America as refugees uh, right after the Vietnam War. And their story uh, was pretty amazing in terms of um, how they uh, worked their way out of poverty mm. and, and how they um, were able to raise uh, my wife and her brother in a new country. And, and so one of the things I am encouraged by about refugees, about immigrants, is uh, the majority that I've met, uh, they, they work hard and, mm, and they yeah. work without complaint. Yeah. And, and their, their ethic is such that we're going to suffer for maybe a generation or two so that our mm. children and our grandchildren can have a better life than us. And, and so even though there was a lot of injustice that was done to them, as refugees uh, coming over, um, they were willing to push past that and and not allow it to keep them from doing what they needed to do. And um, so they 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 were wor hard workers. Um, they intentionally chose not to take welfare from the government. They wanted to do it on their own. And so I think that's one thing I appreciate about them. Um, and then another thing is, as the church, uh, there are so many ministry opportunities. Uh, with refugees and immigrants, uh, because there is yeah. need. You know, there, there's need for practical things like food and shelter, and um, things like uh, applying for driver's licenses and um, government services, and and things like um, just finding friends or having someone to speak English with. I think mm -hmm. just there's so many opportunities that the church has uh, for ministry, and I, I think the that's been a, an alliance hallmark over the years yeah. of, of seeing how we can step into those who have needs and, and use that as opportunities to, to bring Christ into the situation. 
Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Well, we're motivated by the gospel, right? And you end by talking about the gospel, um, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier. But how how does the gospel address this whole issue of race? Uh, I, I I love what Charles Spurgeon says that the the gospel is the great leveler. Yeah, um, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? We're mm-hmm. we're equal in in God's eyes, and. Um, I focused in the chapter on the gospel and race uh, in the book of Ephesians, especially Ephesians 2. And Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10 basically lays out the gospel verses 1 to 3. You're dead in your sins. Uh, There's no hope for you uh, but God, verses 4 and following. And and just seeing the love that God had for us in sending his son uh, to die in our place, the way that it wasn't about our works but about his grace and the way that he shapes us for uh, good works and mm-hmm. being his servants in this kingdom to reach lost people for Christ. And so uh, verses 1 to 10, that's the gospel. Um, but what a lot of people miss is verses 11 to 22, because it starts talking yeah. about Jews and Gentiles and yes. <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but they're connected. And and so when we talk about race and ethnicity and culture and differences of that sort, um, seeing that it stems from the gospel, it's grounded in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And and so verses 11 and following are basically saying, you Gentiles used to be outside of the covenant. You used to have no chance at salvation. You used to be apart from Christ, but because of Christ, you're now uh, saved. You're now yeah. part of the family of God. And that dividing wall of hostility that's been torn yes. down, you are united, you're at peace, you're reconciled. And so we see that the effects of the gospel carry on into how we relate to other human beings. Mm-hmm. And whether it's race or something else, um, we we all need to know that that there is um, redemption, not just in our relationship with God, but our relationship with others. And, and that's a, a joy to behold. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole section, uh, when you're talking about dividing the, the wall of hostility, it starts by saying he is our peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, he's he was the first to to come and and reconcile what was broken there, yeah. And and you know this this motivation you know comes down to how we are with each other. And uh, you describe how most people in churches naturally gravitate to those who look like them and and think like them. How how does that change? How have you seen that change? Yeah, I, I think that's still the the natural tendency. You know, people walk into a church for the first it time, is, and yeah. they're and looking around. It's understandable. <laughs> it's understandable yeah. too, does isn't it? It is, and there's some benefit to that as well. You know, there's there's ministry benefits. Um, people uh, for many years uh, formed churches that were ethnically focused or culturally focused because there was no room for them elsewhere. Um, but I think mm-hmm. once we see that, we can we can step beyond that. We can start to see people as uh, this is a brother or sister in Christ. Uh, this is somebody who has the same uh, passions and joys and desires that I have uh, for, for Christ and for his church. And, uh, and to be able to step beyond that and, and to see, okay, what are the commonalities that we have with fellow believers? Mm-hmm. And, and so... You know, whether it's within our local church or, or whether it's when, within our, our gathering of churches, um, it's important to be able to to have some intentionality about bridging those uh, apparent differences that we naturally uh, try to cling to. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you give practical advice on on how to to change all of this. Uh, share that with us. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, it starts with love. It starts with the attitude of the heart. Um, there has to be a disposition to love. And, and many of us uh, give mm -hmm. up before we even start. And so I think, I think it starts with love. Um, I think listening to understand is a big factor. Um, a lot of us listen to refute or, or we listen to, yeah. to speak our mind. And a lot of the conversations that we saw um, over the recent years have been people just wanting to uh, prove everybody else wrong. And so we have to listen to understand. Um, a big one that we found is lament. Um, people mm. suffer because of these issues. Mm. People hurt because of these issues and, and we hurt others. And so when somebody comes to us with a story of pain or hardship or, you know, they see something on social media or they hear about something that, that causes them them pain, and instead of jumping in and saying, well, you shouldn't feel that way or, or that's not um, that's not a right way to think, be, being first of all willing to weep with those who weep mm, mm. And, and being willing to say, I'm, I'm sorry for how you feel. I'm sorry for your struggle. Can we... Can we just sit a while? Can we pray with this? You know, can we, uh, can we work through this together? So, I think I think those are some of the ways. Um, there's obviously practical ways that we can step in, and um, and engage with others. But but listening, lamenting, um, and and then learning about others and, and their stories is is key. Yeah, no, oh, I love that. Well, it's a great book, Tom, and thank you for doing it and. Uh, I, I can tell a lot of work was put into it. Uh, Grace, race, and the church sharing our stories, family style um, by by you. And so thank you for doing that. Well, I always like to end on a lighter note. If roles were reversed and you were to ask me a question on this topic, what would you ask? And I have not been stumped yet. <laughs> um, well, let me ask this. Um, when have you ever felt like an outsider yourself in a majority culture context. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I probably, this might surprise you that I have, I grew up as a, as a missionary kid in Indonesia to Dutch parents. My, mm. my parents are Dutch citizens. My dad uh, passed away just a couple months ago at the age of 93. And when they retired, they came to the States. But when I, uh, so I grew up in an American boarding school, but I grew up in a Dutch family, and we would go back to Europe for our home assignments uh, until I went to high school. And um, I thought I was fitting in, And but several years later, students would tell me that uh, I, I acted weird, I looked weird. Um, I, I have a French name. My mom's actually Belgium, so until I was in college, I went by Michelle, uh, which in, in the States is obviously a girl's name, and I obviously wasn't. So there was always a lot of embarrassment in, in explaining that. So, um, yeah, so that that's the closest that I've I've come to that. Um, that certainly is, is not, uh, you know, out of a, a race context, but culturally, more having grown up in a different culture. But, uh, but yeah, I've never thought about that before, that we, we ought to – I'll look at uh, maybe experiences that we've had and and try to, I mean, is that fair to say? Is that maybe what's behind your question is to is ask people how, how close have you, you know, share your story of being uncomfortable, maybe multiply that by a hundred times for, for a lot of people, right? I think it's good to put ourselves in, in the shoes of other people. That. And, and yeah. so being able to have that conversation, it just sparks um, memories that, we might not have even recognized uh, when they were happening. 
Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a great question to ask people, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll use that. I think that's a it's a great conversation uh, starter as well. Uh, well, Tom, thank you so much. Any any final thoughts as we wrap up here? I think one burden on my heart in writing the book and, and talking about it is that this is a matter of discipleship. It's mm-hmm. it's not something where we should let the world dictate how we talk about race. Um, it's not something where we should just be silent about it. But it, you know, as pastors, as teachers, as parents, uh, we're discipling others in how to think and how to talk. Mm-hmm. And so seeing it as a ministry uh, of doing it well, um, that, that's one of the, uh, the reasons why I wrote the book and, and mm-hmm. want others to be able to, to, to kind of think through those issues also. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking too, that one of the ways to engage with people in, in a church is, is to be curious. Um, I'm, I'm, I always love people who are curious, who are interested in my story and I want to be a curious person. Uh, you know, you you see people in church mingling around, and they they hang out with those that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to break that uh, you know that uh, that tendency, and um, and really get to know one another. And I think that that happens by being curious and by asking questions. Mm-hmm. So uh, if there's one takeaway, I think that that could be one of them. Well, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate uh, your story and and your time. This was this was very encouraging and challenging. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. I appreciate you, it. You are so welcome. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything that we've talked about, either in this podcast or other podcasts, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next, next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.